Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from Pastor Mark Santum. Uh, Good morning, church. Uh, As Steve said, in the interest of time, we want to make sure that we uh, conclude in a timely service. We don't want to rush things. Some of you have been here all weekend. Uh, it's It's been an amazing weekend. Still feel the afterglow in here. But, um, but we do have a lot of uh, preparation to do, even uh, between this service and the time that uh, Barry Logsdon's memorial service begins before we uh, open the doors at 1 o'clock. So uh, instead of a full-fledged sermon, we're going to have a little uh, sermonette, as it would a homily, sometimes it's called, uh, just as a way to prepare our hearts for these golden plates you see before us. Yes, they are true, 24-karat gold, am I right? We spare no expense. But my, our prayer is this, is that when we come uh, to the Lord's table here at, to conclude our service today, that we may do, do so uh, with a refreshed heart, maybe with some new eyes. Because if you've been at church as long as I have, since you've been a fetus, um, sometimes the, the commonplace can become a little too common. And uh, Lord, save us from that. Well, as we set our sights on partaking the Lord's Supper today, um, I do want to make one important preliminary comment. Can I do that? I love movies about time travel. Uh, Am I the only one here? How many love a good time travel movie? Yeah, look at all you guys. Beautiful. Planet of the Apes, Interstellar, The the Time Machine, 12 Monkeys, the list goes on and on. So many beautiful ones. But of course, I think if we were all to have a vote, I think there would be one movie that would stand far and above the rest when it comes to the time travel genre. Um, Let's show that next slide. Yes, Back to the Future. All right, glorious, 1985. So what I love about Back to the Future, besides great quotes like, Great Scott and 1.21 gigawatts, the list could go on. What I love about that is the significance of and the interplay between the years 1985, 1955, 2015, and back to 1885. If you watch the trilogy, all four of these time periods are all brought together, past, present, and future. They all come together because of an average teenager, a crazy old scientist, and an 85 DeLorean. In a similar but a much more profound way, the past, the present, and the future, they all come together because of the work of Christ as expressed here at the Lord's table. And it's a beautiful thing. So let's talk about supper time, shall we? 1 Corinthians 11, 23-26 is a very common passage um, that we're familiar with. Every time we come to the Lord's table, Paul is addressing the Corinthians and the mess that they were. And he wrote this. He said this to them, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup, is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The Lord's Supper is a beautiful and mysterious intersection of the divine with the human Even though Christ's body and blood, they remain literally in heaven because Jesus is embodied and he forever will be, but they are spiritually made present to us because of his omnipresent nature. And we access that through faith. 
We experience it through faith. John Calvin once wrote, Now if anyone should ask me how all of this takes place, meaning the Lord's Supper, I do not intend to be ashamed to confess that this is a secret too lofty either for my mind to comprehend or my words to declare. And to speak more plainly, I would rather fully experience it than to fully understand it. So let's set our hearts to experience the Lord's Supper in a new and refreshing way as we first seek to behold the significance of how the Lord's table looks to the past, the present, and the future. We'll just look at each one briefly. The first one, how, what is the significance of the Lord's table in regards to the past? Here it is, we remember the cross. We remember a past event with both certitude and with gratitude. Guys, when we read passages like Matthew 27, the crucifixion of Jesus, we are not reading mythology. We are reading history, an event that happened in time and space. Uh, it's an event that is validated both by Christians and non-Christians alike. As we remember, the, the, as at Last Supper, Jesus instituted the table, right? The Lord's Supper uh, at the Last Supper with his disciples. He did so in the context of another historical event, which is what? Passover, that's right. The night that the Hebrews were spared from calamity because the blood of the lambs pushed back against the angel of death. This is a clear foreshadowing of the work of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the, and the Lord's table is an opportunity for us to remember the one that remembers our sins no more. Some of you might need to hear that again. This is an opportunity to remember the one who remembers your sins no more. He forgets them. Divine amnesia he puts on himself. In light of the fact that two times this passage, Jesus tells us to do this in remembrance of me, we have to ask ourselves, what does it mean to remember this most sacred of historical and spiritual events? Are we called to merely muster up enough momentary mental focus to rationally recall the crucifixion in our cranial space? How many of you, are, no, like, how many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? Okay, focus, focus. No, don't think about what you watched on Netflix. Focus. You know, and it just becomes, if we can just get enough mental focus for a time, we think, well, maybe that's what it's about. You know what? I think it's more than that. I think we need to remember the past the same way that the Jews did long ago. They would feel the weight of salvation history in every nook and cranny of their present-day faith. They would look to the rainbow in the sky and celebrate the fact that the faithfulness of God has still endured. They would, they would build standing stones as a memorial to a place where God met them. And they would take great delight and then uh, bringing their children and explaining the significance of those memorial stones. They would cook up celebratory meals that smelled so great, and they would, they would not just feast upon this food, but they would also feast upon the ongoing work of God's goodness and spirit. To them, remembering just wasn't a private, sterile mental exercise. It involved meditation, their senses, their energy, their celebration, their participation, and they all did it in community. That's how we remember. And when we remember and celebrate the Lord's table with our souls, not just recall a few historical events with our brains, the Lord's Supper becomes a lot more meaningful. Amen. Second thing, the Lord's table points us to the present. What that means is the beauty of communing here and now with Christ. Unlike the sacrament of baptism, we just do that once, but the sacrament of communion, we do that often and we do that regularly. Why? Well, 
Because the communion with Jesus at his table is defined desperately needed spiritual nourishment. We all know that we have to eat on a daily basis, right? So whether that's pancakes or jello, uh, salad, chicken marsala, or any delightful dish that's made from the superfood kale. Amen. All right, there's one, Bethany. Amen. I see that hand. You are alone in this place. <laughs> Likewise, our spirits, our spirits need to be fed on a daily basis with what things like the Word of God, um, with prayer, with good fellowship, and yes, the grace that can be found right here on Communion Sunday morning. Knowing that by knowing that humans by nature are broken and they are self-reliant. God knew exactly who he was doing when he provided manna in the desert for the wandering Israelites. He knew that he had to give that to them every morning. If anyone tried to hoard it for the next day, it went bad. As a middle schooler might say, yeah, that jank stank. That's what they would say. And thus insisting upon every hoarder to trust God anew every single morning. See, the Lord is teaching the same thing that he teaches us, is that the daily dependence upon Jehovah Jireh is the most beautiful of lifestyles. And even though at KPC, I know we only celebrate the communion, the Lord's table, uh, once a month, but let that be a reminder to all of us that as the great hymn says, that we need him every hour. You know, coming to the Lord's table is also about reaffirming his headship over our lives alongside the rest of the body of Christ. We often find ourselves, as the song said, prone to wander. Lord, we feel it prone to leave the God we love. And we see that we are quite adept at neglecting the gravity of his headship in our lives. The first few chapter of Hebrews, we see that one of the most insidious enemies of our souls is this kind of neglect. It's called spiritual apathy. And we often find ourselves, I know I have, approaching the Lord's table with a lot of spiritual apathy in my heart. Now this spiritual apathy, the writer of Hebrews shows that our souls can drift and our hearts can grow hardened. You know what a boat has to do to drift? Nothing. You know what a clay has to do to get hardened? Nothing. It just happens because of neglect. May the feast of the Lord's table, even this morning, which is sweet communion with his presence, may it call us back from our wandering ways, and may it soften our hearts, any heart in here that has been hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Especially when we obey the words of Scripture, not just to come to the table with hearts of thanksgiving and gratitude, which is good, but also with hearts full of sober confession, reflection, repentance, and a desire for reconciliation with others. And finally, the future. How does... The Lord's table speak to the future. Well, I love uh, what uh, the Apostle Paul, I love how he bridges the gap between present and future in verse 26. He said, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. People, we have the privilege of proclaiming the gospel, both the death and the res resurrection of Jesus to both a hungry and a thirsty world. This is what they're hungry and thirsty for. They just don't know it yet. For it is in the present that we proclaim the power of the gospel, and we do this until what future event? The glorious return of Jesus, coming to call us all home for dinner. I had a neighbor, Paul, growing up, no matter where we were in the neighborhood, 
no matter what we were playing, where we were playing, right around the 6 o'clock hour, his mom would come up and ring the big bronze bell on the back porch. Da-ding, da-ding. And no matter where he was, he would stop. He would face toward home and go, Mother, I'm coming. Sing it like that. It was so funny. It was hysterical. We just loved it. And then he would just run toward home. So as funny as that is, it's also, uh, I couldn't help but think of that because Jesus has his own bronze bell of his own. Man, and he's ready to pull that thing. And one day we will all say, Father, we're coming home. Jesus says in Luke 14, 15, Blessed are those who will eat the feast in the kingdom of God. What is this feast? Well, even Isaiah the prophet got a glimpse of it. He wrote, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over the peoples and the veil that is spread over all the nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord will wipe tears away from all faces, and the reproach of his people will be taken away from the earth. Hallelujah. People of God, for as significant as the Lord's table is for us in the present, it is only a foreshadowing of the great feast that is to come. And I'm talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb, which is written about by the Apostle John in Revelation 19 where the bride of Christ finally finds her home in the arms of her betrothed, Jesus Christ, the forgiver of her sins and the lover of her soul. Let us not forget that our Lord is so crazy in love with us that he said he will not eat or drink until he can do so again with us face to face without a trace of a drifting or hardened heart anywhere to be found. Whew. When partaking of the Lord's Supper, the believers in the early church, they would not look to the past. They would not look to the present. They would immediately look to the future. They would set their sights in the future to this eschatological feast for the ages, the climax of salvation history, when King Jesus will, provide, will reside over the greatest victory banquet of all time, the feast that will mark the culmination and completion of the amazing work of the cross and the lives of untold billions of people who have been redeemed by his precious blood. Uh, in putting this together, I, I couldn't help but think, man, I wouldn't be surprised at all if a man named Barry Logson isn't up there trying to set that table already, dancing around, putting the plates up, saying, this is KPC section right here. Wait till they get here. It's going to be a party to feast with the king and the host of heaven. He'll look at one of the angels and say, huh, and those dudes, just think, those dudes thought I was excitable down there. Mm. Well, let's conclude and get on with the actual partaking of the supper. Well, until that day comes, we can take in as much of Jesus as we can until the here and now by the imminent presence of the Spirit, and we can make most of these thin places where God's presence seems to be especially near. That we may echo the words of Charles Spurgeon when he said, I think the moments we are nearest to heaven are those we spend at the Lord's table. So let us draw near to the host of heaven, now shall we, that we may see this table's significance for past, present, and future. Thank you for listening to the KPC Podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.